Hello and welcome to a quick tech episode of the Inside Facebook Mobile Podcast. My name is Pascal and this week I do not have a co-host. However, I do have a guest and his name may ring a bell. Hi, Emil. Hey there. So yeah, what are we doing here? Yesterday was a big day here because we released Sonar uh, as an open source version. And since Emil is part of the Sonar team and knows a thing or two about it, I thought I'd just grab the microphones here and ask him a few questions about it. So let's just get started. What is Sonar? Uh, so Sonar is a, a mobile debugging platform, an extensible one that we use here at Facebook to like inspect and debug the state of running iOS and Android applications. So this is everything from inspecting the state of your layout to the state of your network, what requests are coming in and going out, as well as just looking at system logs or anything else, really. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I think some people may uh, know of a different Facebook project, which does similar things, namely Stetho. So does Sona replace Stetho? I wouldn't say Sona replaces Stetho. Well, it does in certain regards, but not completely. Uh, Stetho is not abandoned or anything. It still serves a purpose. However, we built Sonar as a way to be more visually interactive and more extensible from, uh, from a visual UI point of view. So while Stetho has extensions uh, for command line utilities through what they call dumper apps, uh, Sonar is built to be extensible for from the UI end. So you can build really custom tooling UIs and hook them up with data sources coming from your application. So for a lot of things, uh, they overlap and Sonar is what we uh, recommend you use. But for the things where there isn't overlap, um, go ahead and use Stetho. It's still a really great project. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So for, for the people who don't know Stetho all that well, it's essentially hooks into the Chrome Web Inspector APIs. But I guess that also means that you're inherently limited by like the lowest common denominator between the web platform and what you have for native development. Yeah, I mean, technically it is possible to build a Chrome extension that extends the UI you can build there and what that provides you. But I felt like this was a big like workaround and it wasn't a great experience uh, from the user's point of view or user in this case being a developer. And this kind of goes back to to why I created Sonar and started up the team. Yeah, let's actually talk about this. So how did Sonar get started? Well, it was like, it was a year and a half ago about, I started thinking about kind of the next things I wanted to solve. I just uh, released uh, Yoga, uh, a uh, cross-platform layout engine we've talked about before. And I was kind of looking at, at the problems we were facing internally and uh, trying to figure out yeah, what problem to tackle next? And one thing specifically was we were really getting more and more support requests for Litho. Well, we didn't really have a great way to handle these requests. And a lot of them were really very simple as in, hey, my layout doesn't look right. Why is that? And we had to try to repro these and like inspect the code, stop with debuggers and kind of like try to figure out what's going on. I was looking at Stetho and like was thinking about how can we get Litho to be inspectable through Stetho, uh, through their hierarchy inspector. And that's where it all started. I extended Stetho to support Litho. And going from that, I also experimented with allowing you to edit properties in Stetho that would reflect on your app without needing to recompile. Yeah, that was an amazing change. 
Yeah, I, I I launched this internally and posted about it, and the response was just incredible. It exploded, and people loved it. And I started thinking about what more we can do, and like the also like looking at the kind of feedback I got from this early prototype and stuff, though. And it became more and more obvious just that we need a platform to enable us to build these really great intuitive developer experiences and tools. So that's where the idea of Sonar came from, having an extensible desktop tool where developers of any framework or product can build their own tools to help themselves and their users just develop things and understand the apps at a much, much quicker pace. And yeah, so around, yeah, a bit more than a year ago, year and a half ago, yeah, I started Sonar. It was uh, just me the first couple of weeks, uh, but then uh, we brought on some more people. And uh, yeah, Sonar now is used, um, I would say, most mobile developers across iOS and Android to uh, help understand like just what's going on in the apps. So it's super exciting to see it, see it grow from that. And my initial goals have uh, have definitely been uh, checked off, but but since then I have just like those goals have grown and I'm really excited about the future of Sonar. I love that many times when I open Sonar, I, I notice that there is a new plugin for one of the apps that I'm, I'm using. So there's so much stuff that people can add to make debugging and working with applications of um, larger size easier. Um, but let's, let's talk a bit about this. So um, what is the architecture like of Sonar in general? Uh, Sonar builds on a, on a common core in C++, uh, which handles all the networking, including uh, making this network connection secure between the desktop application as well as the client code running in your emulator or on your device. So that means there are two big pieces, the, the desktop client, which I believe is an Electron app, is that Correct. right? Correct. So you have an Electron app on your Mac or Linux or Windows machine, and that talks to a piece of code uh, running as an SDK inside of your application that you install there. And that would be for Android and for iOS. Correct. Uh, nothing in the architecture excludes it from being developed for other platforms, but we're focusing on Android and iOS for now. So these establish, uh, originally it was a WebSocket connection, but we've moved over to a similar-ish protocol called RSocket. Uh, this was due to just there being really great RSocket libraries developed here internally that are also open source. Right. I just wanted to ask about this. So RSocket is also an open source project that we have. Correct. Otherwise, we wouldn't use it. This was really easy to integrate and made it easy to uh, implement great security on top of as well. Uh, that's why we chose to switch to RSocket. But it, you can think of it as a WebSocket connection. Uh, so between the application and the well, the your application and the Sonar desktop application. So across this uh, socket channel, you send data in both directions. So the your app will send certain data, such as what network requests it does, how the layout looks, and so forth, to the desktop app, which can display that. And then in the desktop app, as you interact with it, it might send commands back to the application to do something. For example, if you edit a property in the layout inspector, it'll send a command back to your application that says to edit that property. So you can see live updating uh, UIs. And now that's just the core. All the functionality of Sonar is implemented in what we call plugins. 
Right. So let, let's say I've got an image loading library and I want to make sure that I have an overview of all the images that were loaded, how long it took and potentially which kind of format was, was fetched. Is it a progressive JPEG or PNG or something? I want to see that in Sona. How would I go about implementing something like this? Yeah. So that's uh, actually quite easy. What you end up doing is uh, say, say we we're developing for Android, but it looks the same for iOS as well. You create a plugin which conforms to just an interface or a protocol on iOS that implements some very basic methods uh, for registering the plugin. And after that, you have uh, basically access to the socket where you can send any data and you can also listen to requests for data. So this over the socket, we implement JSON RPC protocol. So you can listen to a remote call from the desktop app. For example, get images and you can return those images. And then on the Sonar desktop side, you also create a plugin, and this is a visualization plugin. So this gets that data uh, from, your from your Android app or iOS app, and it displays it in any way it wants. Uh, we use React as our UI library, so you just create a React application that displays this data. And we've actually seen these plugins being developed by all kinds of teams here at Facebook. So for image loading, for example, the Fresco team has developed one. Uh, I know they're planning on open sourcing it. It's not quite ready yet, but it'll come soon. We've also seen interest from a ton of teams, both framework and product teams, that have just taken a look at our documentation, taken these APIs, and built fantastic plugins uh, for really just their own teams and in some cases, also the wider community here internally at Facebook, they can be very specific to Facebook's uh, infrastructure because it's a plugin-based system. They don't need to be committed to the core of Sonar. And this is something that developers and other companies, uh, now that it's open source, can do as well. They can build plugins for their custom architecture or their open source framework or whatever and deploy that individually from, like, independently from Sonar. Yeah, this is something I'm super excited about. So if there is an open source application, or I guess even potentially a closed source application, you could just open up Sonar and notice that there is some sort of integration with it. And this doesn't mean that they need to open a pull request and get it approved into Sonar core first. Correct. For example, it would be theoretically possible for... Um, something like, say, Dagger, the dependency injection framework, to ship with a spe specific dependency for Sonar, where you can then in Sonar uh, understand and debug the, the state of your dependency graph and what's currently being injected where, for example. Or a networking library can ship with uh, support for Sonar's network inspector and many other kinds of plugins I can envision. Okay, let's say I've got an application and I want to enable Sonar for it for uh, both iOS and Android. How would I do that? Uh, well, ideally, you just add this dependency in your Gradle file, and then it's a uh, like a four-line configuration in your application uh, file. It's really just checking if it's a debug build and then adding Sonar or enabling Sonar in that case. Uh, however, we've had some issues with, with our current JCenter build, so we're currently... That's our, my main priority to get that fixed up and to make this work really smoothly. But yeah, in the next couple of weeks, we'll, it'll be as easy as just adding a debug compile dependency and then uh, wrapping a sonar client start command within a 
after-bug chuck. Awesome. That doesn't sound too complicated. So what is your favorite feature of Sona at the moment? Well, I would say it's by far being able to live edit properties and UI state without needing to recompile. Right. I mean, this is basically what got it all started. Right. This is what got it all started. I've been frustrated with having to wait for long compile times. And yeah, this just like revolutionizes how you do anything where you can just quickly tweak a little margin or color font size whatever until it looks right uh this takes less than a second and then when it looks right you can write that in code in your editor and you're done you don't need to recompile between tweaks yeah people already know this kind of behavior from the web inspector so everything you see on the web however for most web applications you do not have those incredibly long build steps that most larger android applications or ios applications face so this makes a huge difference in, in the workflow yeah and it's the thing is when you're tweaking designs If you're tweaking between, say, two font sizes or two colors that are similar, if you recompile in between, you'll never remember how that looked in the old state. Exactly. Especially if you need to navigate deep into your app to get back to that. With Sonar, because you can just like tweak it and see the result live, you can get a better understanding. And not only will it result in you iterating more quickly, you'll actually result in a nicer looking application because you'll you'll see those visual differences right away and can actually choose the best one. You could even have a designer standing right next to you looking over your shoulder and showing him or her two different versions of, of an element is, and then decide is, on something. I mean, the designer could just bring up Sonar themselves and then like ping you over IM and tell you the values to use. Uh, this is super powerful. And uh, I'm really excited to see what happens in the future and where else we can bring this live editing. For example, I'm super excited about the possibility to bring this to animations. So you might be able to tweak animation values live and then replay them. Because that's something myself, like I've spent before like a whole day just tweaking one animation because it takes so long to compile in between each one. And I want to see many like 40 different combinations of animations so it's it's just brutal. Yeah, totally. And the web is so much ahead of what native has to offer at the moment. So Firefox, Chrome, and I'm not sure what Safari has, but I'm sure they've got something there too. They've got so many nice tools for, for tweaking animation, seeing the different keyframes in between. I've got to say my favorite feature, even though I'm a big fan of life editing too, is definitely the litho support. Because normally when you just look at a standard layout inspector, like the one that comes with Android Studio, and you have litho in your application, you will at some point see a component host or litho view and everything underneath because the view flattening is just hidden from you. So, so you have no idea what elements are there. But with the sonar, you get this x-ray kind of look into the litho view and you can see all the individual components that sit underneath. And you're also able to tweak them in the same way with a life editing feature and set the background color on just one component, for instance. Yeah, and this litho integration isn't something that's hard-coded into sonar, really. The Leon Inspector has plugins itself. So it's a plugin with plugins. So the Fresco team, for example, also built a plugin to the Leon Inspector so that uh, you can see more specific fresco properties when you inspect a drawable inside your hierarchy and oh yeah drawables show up in your hierarchy this is nothing that would show up in any other inspector so this is really cool and definitely one of my favorite features as well awesome i think this is a good place to wrap it up so congratulations again on on the great launch emil 
Thank you. Uh, where can people learn more about Sonar and how to get started? Well, you can check it out at fbsonar.com. Cool. So this has been another episode of the Inside Facebook Mobile podcast. This was a quick tag, so don't worry. We still have the regularly sized episode coming up soon. Yeah, I'm incredibly excited about our next guest. Me we're, too. Uh, we're preparing for the episode now and it'll be a great one. All right. Take care, everyone. See ya. Okay, um, let's let's do one just quick test recording that I can listen to again. Yep. So, uh, hi, I'm looking at a whiteboard. There's nothing written on it. I'm looking at a person. There's oh, also nothing written on it. <laughs>